0: right, everybody, we've got a huge game to talk about because it is hate week, which means we need a hate week episode of the Quack 12 podcast. Not not necessarily a hate filled podcast, you know, because we're not we're not necessarily an aggro podcast. We don't need to be aggressive to our our guests that we're very grateful to have on here. But um, we need to talk about, I mean, two teams that truly hate each other. You know, I do feel that hate in my gut when I think of the Washington Huskies at times. And I I feel it's, I'm sure it's the same way with our guests today. And uh, we were lucky enough to get BT of the dog pod. That is the D-A-W-G pod on Twitter. Um, BT, how are you doing?
1: Guys, thanks thanks for having me on. Um, I want to make sure I prep the right notes though. This is a this is a men's soccer and volleyball podcast only, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Whew,
1: good. I, pre- I prep the right material. I'm good to go. Yeah,
0: don't worry about it. Uh, oh man, uh, you know when we started this podcast, uh, I think we started like at the end of the 2016 season, really. So I, we had the feelings of just like, oh man, I'm during that season just really dreading the upcoming Washington game feeling like there was very little hope going on you know um starting our uh, freshman QB true freshman QB who was kind of a legacy and uh, from the area and stuff like that um and now it kind of feels a little different but I mean I guess I just right off the bat I want to know how do you feel about the Oregon ducks I mean uh what are your what's your favorite win over the ducks what's one of your least favorite losses against the ducks
1: oh man um yeah I mean you're, you're you're right I think like look there's no love loss between the programs and uh you know I'm, I'm thinking you guys might have experienced this as well but like we went to the the game in Ann Arbor and and watched uh, the Oregon Ohio State game pack bar and there was Is half half Michigan fans, half Washington fans, and Mm. they were cheering loudly for the other team. I mean, you had half a bar (laughs) of Ohio State fans and half of a bar, you know, a bar of Oregon fans, and it wasn't cheering for your own conference. Pardon, I would imagine if you were in Columbus that evening, same thing, right? Like Mm. we, let's be fair, like we want you guys to lose unless it's you have to win the Civil War to get us into the Pac-12 championship. We won't lose you guys to lose every game you play. Like there's no back the pack, whatever. And like, that's, that's like, that's fine. And I expect that. Like, if you guys think back to like the, it was kind of weird when Helfrick and, and Peterson were buddies. Yeah. It felt like it, it felt, it, it felt kind of weird. Like, you know, we're used to back to like the bloody, you know, like the bloody Lambright days where they outwardly impressed, <laughs> like hated each other and, and you know, we're, and, and we're being nasty. And like, I think that's like all up, I'd say from an Oregon, Washington perspective, like that's okay. What to me is is not OK is like where that translates itself into grown men trolling around Twitter, finding people they don't know, saying a bunch of mean crap they would never say in a bar Absolutely. like that to me. It's garbage. Like rather what I'd rather have is just like anything in life is, hey, what if we both talk about college football and God forbid somebody buys somebody else a beer at the end of the game? <laughs> you know, that, that to me is, is that to me is fine, but yeah, you're right. No love loss. I mean, I think to me the most painful one, and I don't think, I don't know like why it, it doesn't get talked about as much, but you think back to that 2000 season and in the 2000 season where like, I don't know if, if three teams in a division have ever do- been so dominant that year between Oregon, Oregon state and Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you guys finished with two losses, Oregon state with one, we finished with one loss. The only loss we had that year was to Oregon a one score loss in Eugene. And that's, that was a year <laughs> when we beat Miami at home. Yeah. Uh, we beat a bunch of top teams. We beat or- Oregon state. who was like a seven team at the time and crushed Purdue uh, behind Drew Brees and the Rose bowl. And what, you know, and finished second, what kept us out of the national championship was one stupid score in Eugene. And that to <laughs> me, like at the time, I mean, that to me was gut wrenching. Whereas the other, uh, I mean, the you know the, the tenth loss in a row in Husky Stadium and the run out of twelve when like your fans were were cheering ten more years ten more years like that you know was uh, well it was painful inside the stadium I mean we sucked so this is the Willingham we sucked so bad then it was like what's one more loss like we it, like so was any one of those painful I mean I think the seventy twenty one win um, uh, oh was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, that like, like that to me was the most enjoyable, not only because of the stakes that year of what we were playing for, but you had so much pent up, you know, a team that had so much pride for so much years and had just been kicked into the dirt under Willingham and Post for, you know, a decade um, that I think that win meant more than it, it would have ever meant in another given year. And that was probably um, that was probably my most that was pro- for me. That was my favorite one.
0: I get you. And and about, you know, being that kind of team, like in a rivalry, uh, we talk about this all the time, when you're having a terrible season, and the, your rival is having a great season, and you are the one team, or, you know, like, you beat them and your loss just ruins their great season. That is a special kind of like a just wonderful gut hatred feeling that you get there. And day we're actually uh, we were talking about a, a loss here. Um, would be especially if it was a, a especially humiliating loss where Washington can dominate defensively or something like that. Um, would be one of the worst losses uh, in recent memory, sh- certainly uh, in pro in program history. I would say it would be uh, uh I mean know it'd be one for the books. I'd say that much. <laughs> oh
1: well, sure, I mean particularly because of what came out last night. Like you know, you guys you do what you're supposed to do, and you should. Finish within the college football playoff, and any team that can come in and knock you out, particularly like a team, you know, that, that's coming in. Where look, we lost to Montana on this same soil to open the oh, season. Yeah. You know, this is a a beat up fan base, and I don't, you know, and and, and team, and so yeah, like this is for everything. This is the, this is the Super Bowl, right? I mean, you're, <laughs> you know, we we our best hope is to maybe make a bowl game this year. Maybe make mm-hmm. a bowl game. But you can knock, like, you want to quiet the fan base who's really loud right now, um, you know, calling for heads, etc. Yeah. This is your shot. You know, this is your, your chance to do it this weekend. But um, you're right.
0: How often do you hear from fans who are still, uh, like, backing Lake? Like, uh, I would just think, honestly, uh, that must be kind of...
1: Yeah, right I mean, I don't know. I think you've got, there's, like, I think there's a third of the fans who are saying, fire him now, that don't really understand what a midseason firing does to a program mm-hmm. recruiting wise outside of some off, you know, field allegation. You've got a third who kind of like, yeah, fire him, like get into the year, like finish the year. I get it, but this guy's got to go. And there's another third who are like, you know, Hey, he deserves another year. Not like, Oh, he's our guy, but he deserves another year. And, and it, it doesn't really matter. Like I don't, I mm-hmm. kind of laugh at it. Cause it's like Jen Cohen and Ann Marie Kelsey are not going to fire him this year. Outside mm-hmm. of outside of some off the field thing happening, if he doesn't win another game, he's still not going to get fired this year. He's back next year, so it doesn't really ma- like. And this
0: season seems like the season you don't want to be looking for a coach is the other one.
1: No, yeah, it's a t- it, it is. You know, I mean, my my thought is like, are you you're trying to make the case whether, and you guys probably thought this around the Helfrich time is like, are you if you can't envision a scenario in where this ends well, in which six years from now you're like, oh my gosh, boy, are we glad we kept him, and and what like. As that starts slipping away, then do you want to rip that Band-Aid off early, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or, you know, if you if you don't, then you know, that, I mean, that's kind of where the argument comes in today. But yeah, you've got—I don't think there's a single person who's standing up saying like, "No, you guys have it all wrong." Like, we need to sign him for another four years. It's just like they're in one of those camps. But
0: well, and I'll, I'll tell you this: um, just like that season, in which we fired Helfrich. Um, you know, we went four, eight that season. And the yep. thing that really did, it was losing to our rival, which regular, we re- regularly beat. Uh, so, uh, who knows? Yeah.
1: Well, not but, all losses are created equally. Right. Exactly. And I, mean, I, 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 Mon, I think the Montana loss is worth like three or four yeah, losses. Yeah. You know, if absolutely. you, if you trade that with the, you know, I don't know, like, let's say you trade that and the UCLA loss or something, I, I don't know. Let's say we, you know, or excuse me, the Cal win, let's say we beat Cal and lose or and we beat Montana, lose to Cal. This is a different narrative right now, but we are where we are, you know.
0: And uh, so I I believe that's enough table setting here because we've got our man Hithliday here who's been watching a lot of film on these Huskies lately. And he has some questions specifically for the roster. So uh, Hithliday, where would you like to
2: start? Well, we usually start with the quarterback. Um, you know, like Adam said, I I've got every one of uh Washington's games charted uh at this point and and just, you know, looking at their success rates at at, you know, passing offense, rushing offense, passing defense, pa- rushing defense, you know, it 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 seems to me you add up all where all the strengths and weaknesses are and the way that Washington wins this game if they win is that Dylan Morris plays the game of his life uh you know it, it just seems like that's the way you know that's how they lever them themselves out of trouble is that Dylan Morris you know hits a few deep passes um that's how i uh, uh see Washington shot at this game uh, do you disagree with that bt
1: yeah, I don't I don't know if he has to have the game of his life and I don't know if he has like the deep deep ball in him. Um I think there's other factors that you have that like this game could be mid to low 40s and sideways rain. And and I think Washington likes an ugly game um more this week. There, I think there's things like that that could happen. Um I think he he has to play a mistake-free game and he mm-hmm. hasn't had much of that. Um for sure, but I don't think I don't think he has to be the hero uh, for them to win this game. But if he, if he doesn't play mistake free football and and not only like the picks, but just missing wide open receivers. Sure. Um, yeah. We don't have a shot.
2: Uh, well, the reason that I say that just restricting ourselves to the offense is that, you know, while Washington's uh, offense has a pretty decent success rate, like it's about 57% that they get enough yards, you know, given the down and distance when they're running the ball. Um, their explosive or chunk, you know, rushing rate is terrible. Right? It's like oh, yeah, eight percent yeah. of all rushes go ten plus yards. Um, I I don't see Washington running their way out of this game. Um, I I could see a, a win for Washington, like a defense, like if Oregon screws up its offensive strategy and throws the ball a lot against Gordon and McDuffie and gets picked off mm-hmm. like four times, which. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Like I don't exclude the possibility that Joe Moorhead just outsmarts himself and does that. Um, and, and, and it should be noted that Oregon has made a lot of mediocre
0: teams look like I mean very close competitively throughout a lot. of these I mean, games. It,
2: it wouldn't yeah. even be a mediocre defense. You know, passing no. defense. Like yeah, it's a no. good passing defense. You know, the yeah. question just whether or not Oregon plays into it or or runs away from it. I think they'll be smart enough to run away from it, especially if the weather conditions, as you say, BT, you know, are are more favorable. For running the ball like i I think if the game goes as you say that it's a a, uh you know one team tries to run the ball and the other team tries to run the ball and that's all that happens then oregon runs away with the game Mm -hmm. no pun intended because oregon's rushing offense versus washington's passing or excuse me rushing defense is a strength on weakness and i think that you know washington's rushing uh, uh offense on oregon's rushing defense is kind of a week on week and i think you know that that on balance favors Oregon. And so therefore I think the only way out of it is Dylan Morris hitting some passes. You know, that's how I solved that puzzle. You you suggested that there are other ways for Washington to win the game. Um, like what?
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think you're right. I think if you were talking like likely scenarios, I I don't think the likely scenario is him all of a sudden having a deep, accurate downfield ball. Um, particularly like with the conditions that it are, I think if you have like a multiple turnover, you have to believe a couple things. Like, are there multiple turnover games, uh, w- which the team is is successful for? And then do you b- have to believe like you have to take a leap of thank a leap of faith that what we saw last week against Stanford um, was. An actual like imp- significant improvement in real run defense, and a significant improvement in like the type of things that we're doing on the offense, the offensive line, and like new things that we saw with like pulling the weak side guard and mm-hmm. stuff that was actually working for seven, eight yards and chunk plays. You have to believe that that wasn't because Stanford is like so weak against the run and isn't <laughs> a good team, you know. Well, but if you if if you like you so like if if you have to believe that narrative versus just to say yeah they were able to do it because like Stanford is tenth against the run, et cetera, like they haven't figured out their offense um you know so i I don't know i mean if that like if you believe that this team is coming together at the right time and that wasn't an anomaly. Maybe mm-hmm. that's maybe that's a scenario, but
2: um. I just I, I'm referring back to like the Arizona game where like you know oh, Washington God. looked dead in the water until yeah. Dylan Morris hit a couple of passes, and I mean I sort of think a that Oregon's strategy mm-hmm. will be similar to Arizona's strategy in that game, and B that Oregon is probably a little better of a team than Arizona is. <laughs> yes, um, I think so. I was just sorry, to See, it playing out. Let's talk about the offensive line. Um, yeah. th- this is really interesting to me. Um, I was not in the chorus of people who was calling uh, Washington's offensive line in the the off season. You know, the best in the Pac-12. I, I think I, I, you know, I was sort of out ahead of a lot of folks. Uh, calling uh, – I, you know, didn't think much of Scott Huff as a developer. I, in fact, put up a a tweet with a bunch of videos of of Washington's offensive line. You know, displaying some short setting problems. Um. What have you thought about the offensive line, uh, both to start the year and also like there's been a lot of rotations? I think some forced by injury. I think some trying to find uh, better options. Uh, w- w- what's going on with the offensive line, in your opinion, BD?
1: Yeah, I was definitely drinking the Kool Aid, uh, like a lot of people were. You know, thinking, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, uh, I mean, they're just from you looked at like a team that w- what they were returning. And maybe the sample set last year in the four games that we played, um, you know, was just an, a, a big vat aid you know, where we're like, shoot three and one. And we could have won that Stanford game and they look pretty good. You know, they <laughs> mm-hmm. look good against teams that give us trouble. And so, you know, you thought, wow, given that same year, we're not losing anybody. And, and, and individually look that boy, these guys sure looked apart. you know, they're, you know, 310, 330 across the board, six, four to seven. You know, they, they fit the part, they look the part, um, and, and left to right, they look solid. And, and they just have been, it, that has definitely been the Achilles heel of this team to date, you know, and you're, and, and they are trying lots of different people. You know, you've got it's supposed to be like what's left to right: Kirkland, MJ Olle, Luke Wattenberg, Henry Bainavalu and Victor Kern. Like that's right. It, uh, that,
2: I mean, that's who they were playing last year.
1: That's it. Yeah, that's who it's. But, and so you get great. That's and that's still it, on. And it your, was part like, of the
2: interesting thing because, like, uh, except for I think Banevalu, none of those guys are four stars. Like, and they had mm-hmm. recruited all these great, you know, four stars. And I was sort of saying over the twenty twenty season, like you shouldn't be playing the three star seniors or you know upperclassmen. You should be playing these four stars because this season doesn't count and get them some experience because those guys are the future. And then we started to see them in 2021 as they were like, uh oh, MJ all I can't block. Um, you know, and, and so we saw Bulo and kaleppo yep. um Trefantano, Kirkland, yeah. I think has been out, uh the the guard come yeah, he, he was out tackle. last week. Yep. Yeah, and and so they were playing a uh, number fifty five um Troy Faitano. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, And um, and then they've also been rotating uh, at right tackle, Kern and uh, Matteo Mele M- of all people, who was the you know the center, uh, backup center in yeah. 2019, which I thought was sort of a weird move. Um, what do you think? I understand injuries play some part in that, but like I-, I think a larger part of it is like an oh crap thing, you know, like l- let's try out the kids is. Is that your read too?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, what else are you going to do? I mean, there's only so much like scheme stuff that you can do at that point. And if guys aren't getting done and you saw some things even like Jackson Kirkland, who you, you expected to be the sort of star of this and, and Michigan was where he really got exposed. Um, and, and so you've got to try something new and you do have, you know, whether it's Fatan or Buello, you got guys who look the part or are came in as bigger recruits. Um, and, and part of it right now is you've got guys who... Um, I always think like you act differently at your job. If you know your jobs on the line, right. All of us do <laughs> whatever our day job mm. is. And so are these guys right now, every, at least like particularly like on the OC side or anyone on the offensive side of the ball. And even like our DC, yeah. like you're, you're coaching all of you're coaching for your job. And so you're willing to try, you're willing to try new things. Um, but yeah, you, we'll, we'll see we'll see comes out this week.
2: Do you have any inside scoop on um on A, why Kirkland wasn't playing, and B whether or not he'll be back anytime soon? Yeah, we
1: heard it was like a, so it's a non COVID thing. It was like an, an injury bang up kind of thing, uh, but nothing on whether he's gonna play or all not right. this week. I think we'll, to, we'll 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 have to see. But that one came as a surprise to a lot of people. I was down at the game in, in Tucson and there was a bunch of guys that like all of a sudden just didn't show up.
2: And then and, and then in Stanford, same thing on TV seen it. But yeah, it was tough. Um yeah, I mean, all things considered, I, I think that he is probably Washington's best offensive lineman. Um, although, and I promise, I'm not trying to be a, a jerk duck fan here. I, I'm not sure that's saying a lot. Um, uh, like, don't I, I don't try. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I'd make a case for Henry. There's things I really like that Henry Benavalu does. Um, you know that there's things I, I like that I, in the last week where I really like what he does, and I think if you got guys that like have some potential um, who hasn't been moved around, I don't know if he's like. If, it depends what you're talking about, like. NFL talent offensive line or guys that are like helping you do what you want to do and appear to be not making mistakes?
2: But, I mean, I, I mean, I, I grade everybody when I'm tallying. them I mean, and Bain of Allo is the guy who grades out worst on my tally sheet. So I, I, is that right? I I'm afraid yeah. I can't agree with you on that one. But, um, but, uh, I guess where I was going with this is that, like, uh, even though, like I said, I think that Kirkland is probably their best offensive lineman. I don't really think that the picture changes much whether he plays or not. Do you what do you think about that take?
1: Yeah, no, there we have we have a ton of losses right now, uh, from an injury perspective. And and you know, they're on the like on the defensive side, I think, particularly a lot, at, at, I mean, the, that are way, way bigger, yeah. way bigger losses.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I want to talk about those in a minute. Um, uh, But while we're still on the offense, there's one other like nagging weird thing to me, which is, um, in 2020, and it seemed to begin the year in 2021, Kate Otten, the fabulous tight end, um, uh, was like the safety blanket, right? Like the, you know, he was the, he was the guy who saved the Utah game for them last year. Um, and, you know, and he was getting a ton of targets in the Montana game, you know, when it was like, okay, we got to come back against this stupid FCS team. Um, And then he's really, he's only gotten like two or three targets a game. You know, he missed, I understand he missed a couple of games, but even in the games that he was playing, like, you know, it just didn't look like he was getting targeted all that often. Uh, I've got a couple of theories why that might be. The The two most relevant ones are either A, they just like the wide receivers better, which would have been a surprise at the beginning of the year, given all the Sturman and drawing about the wide receivers, or B, that every defense has said, we have to take away Kate Otten and take our chances with the rest of the wide receiver core, and they have effectively done that. Um and that, you know, Otten has just been getting sat on. But if anybody doesn't sit on him, he will go right back to catching a million balls. Uh, What do you think about those two theories?
1: Yeah, it's a little bit. I think it's the same thing that we've seen. It's like the people aren't going to let Kate Otten beat you. And he's missed some games from COVID protocol. Um. And and you know and, and like the one where Devin Culp I think really showed up and mm-hmm. you know, and, and played lights out for us. But the uh, but yeah, I mean if you like look at him come off the line and like how quickly he gets picked up and he doesn't get to like like in, in, in years past where he, he like what he likes to do is just find spots, sit in space, yeah. and and then when well, he's getting know,
2: layered coverage now, when and he tries that's to do right. that, yeah,
1: that's right. But he had you know I don't last week I think we we talked about in our pod like he, he had the the defensive play of the game came from Kate Otten. Last week, yeah, I I know what you're talking (laughs) about. Yeah, like that—that heads-up play play is what, like, type of thing. Like that is makes what makes him such a football player. Nine out of ten tight ends in the league. What do they do after they they drop the ball? They either they either just put their head in the ground you know, or, or just freak out and start running let like his heads up play to knock that thing out. It's incredible. It, he still has, it, he still has room. So
2: there was just at some point he was like, I, he was blocking on a run play, uh, where like he comes up after the play and he's grabbing his arm and like, yeah, he right. looks like he's in pain. And I was wondering whether or not, cause the third theory of why Kate Otten is not getting balls thrown to him is that he has he's some 100%. hidden injury yeah. and he's not at a hundred percent. And I don't, you know, would he? what do you think about that theory?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know how much you're putting him out there if he's, if he's, yeah, exactly. It's not like,
2: it's not like they're hurting for tight end. You know, they've got like three other tight ends on the roster. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, Westover didn't play last week. And like, he's not what I would call like a classic tight end. I think he's better doing other, other things. But, uh, but they like Devin Culp and he's had some good games. I even saw a little bit of Mark Redmond. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we need uh, people are kind of, everyone's waiting for that big K. and breakout game.
2: Which well, the other thing that sort of militates against the, the he's injured theory is that like Washington has a really, really clear run tell when they line up under center and they have two tight ends on one side and then they motion Otten to the other side. It means they're always running behind Otten, like literally 100% of the time in the year of our Lord 2021 when they have split <laughs> two tight end sets, it's always a run to Otten's side and they wouldn't be running behind Otten if Otten were injured, you know? like that That's right. Yeah, so. that's right.
1: You're trying to tell me that the John on offense is
2: predictable uh, i'm not <laughs> yeah it. i know I, I uh breathtaking i'm sure uh let's switch over and talk about the defense um as you say a lot of injury um cal- calumny here um well, except for the defensive line, which I actually think you know it's a two-four uh, defense. Although occasionally they put in a third defensive lineman. Yep. I've I've sort of I, you know they had that great defensive line recruiting class in like 2018, and, and followed it up with another good one in 2019, I believe. And we kind of hadn't seen much out of those guys for a long time, you know, because they had you know Levi Onsarike and, and they had Ju- Josiah Bronson, um, who was a pretty good one-two punch. Um, and so you know like and Gasanoa, and Taimani and um Bondas and some of those guys, you know, we just hadn't really you know seen much out of and i sort of think this year has been their coming out party like i've thought that those guys within the structure of this defense which really just sort of asked defensive linemen to be space eaters but damn do they eat space you know what i mean um uh you get you know we can just be done at that point i i think that's all there is to it Uh, do you disagree
1: yeah no I, i i'd agree i think what's what's hard is i think that we had like over the years, a Vita Vea, like a Danny Sheldon, plus a great yeah. gains. And guys who sort of made – And Onzerike, yeah. Onzerike, oh, yeah, even more recently. But like may, maybe made this defensive scheme look better than it was. Well, um, so, I – I, I don't know.
2: No, I, I I, mean I hear what you're saying. I, I disagree with that uh, tape because I actually – you know, no, no one's going to like who listens to this podcast isn't like me saying this, but I actually really like this defensive scheme. I actually think that the whole point of it is very, very smart Um, in the way that modern college offense. Uh, well, modern college offenses are played that if you're like, I don't care how much you run the ball. If you can't hit, ex- if you can't hit a explosive runs and b really any passes at all, you will never score enough points on us to win right. if we have a functional yeah. offense. And then the problem has just been this sort of have not had a functional offense for a couple of years now, um, I, I actually really think that it's the smartest way to play football um, in, in the modern era. Um, however, the one thing that really makes this this defense better is that those two defensive linemen. If you have one dude who's like a Greg Gaines-esque massive yeah. space eater, yeah. like immovable object, but then you also have next to him uh, a Shelton Vea Onsarike type who's a disruptive inside lineman, and And I don't think that Washington has that at this point. In fact, I don't think they have anybody who even remotely resembles, you know, even the body type to be that. I think they have like six Greg Gaineses, you know what I mean? Um, And so in that sense, it's not so much like it's not bad for the defense because it's more like that's It's a luxury that they don't currently enjoy, but in the past have had enjoyed. Am I making sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It completely could be, it could be the case. And I think there's some guys who might grow into that, that like it maybe Taki grows into that over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, aren't, aren't there this year. And it's, uh, you know, whether it's that, or some people might point to the linebacker play that's that's making it sort of rear its ugly head. Um, but we've had, you know, look, the run, you know, the run stuff, the, the, run, the ability to stop the run isn't something that's new this year. It's just been acutely yeah. painful.
2: Well, it's structural, game. you know, like, and it sort of militates what the, you know, the offensive approach is going to be. Well, I, I think really the problem with the it's not the defensive line that's the run, run stopping problem. I, I think the problem is that ever since, you know, Shaq Thompson and some of those other great um inside linebackers that Sark, you know, contributed, like you you may not enjoy hearing me say this, but I didn't really think much of Ben Berkervin um or or the dude who was playing next to him, uh, Bartlett. Um I, I didn't think those guys were another Shaq Thompson, and I sort of don't think that they've had another Shaq Jack Thompson in the what has it been four years since you know uh, what w- what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of people who kind of that felt that um, that BBK's numbers um, you know were were you know kind of like a false. Uh, I don't I don't know. Give him false action. Like he gets but a bunch he, of tackles, yeah, but if they're seven
2: of, yards behind the line of scrimmage, then like that's
1: yeah. right. And if it's you know if he's getting pushed back for an additional two three each time, it still makes it and kind of holds on for dear life um he just like the thing i'll say about him is, is um about him in the offense of not giving up the long plays that he just had such a great eye for the ball and it was always in the right spot mm. his ability to then like was he meeting it at the right point of contact and his ability to not get pulled for an additional couple of yards is like another thing that didn't that made him not check thompson Um uh, but i don't know i mean i i, I think it, it some folks i thought were a little unfair to him um, you know where I don't know much more. You wanted we wanted BBK to do well,
2: the, the sort of the structure of the defense is to keep the play in front of them mm-hmm. at all times that's and right. like and just don't lose discipline. And I don't and in that sense I don't think that Washington has had a terrible set of linebackers. Maybe Kyler Manu, uh, you know, since you know the the Keyshawn Beria uh, Shaq Thompson, you, you know the guys that I'm referring yeah, to. There's, there's right. two more whose names are escaping me right now. Um, um. No, I'm not going to try. Uh so at, at the beginning of this year, uh the two starters were um Ulofoshio and Jackson Sermon. That's right. Um it looks like Ulufojiu is injured. Is that He's correct? He's done for the year. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's your
1: that's your most painful loss on the defense. Yeah.
2: Uh, hey, Muli, the other four star. Um, I don't think we've seen much. Is he injured or well, washed yeah, we, out or what's the deal?
1: Yeah, you know I don't. I don't. We didn't. We didn't see him. Um, at, at Stanford, and but he did see more time in previous games, and mm-hmm. there's nothing out that like he won't play. He won't play this week, but you know, I mean, obviously, like the Stanford game was all about the like the the Carson Bruner show. Right.
2: Exactly. Who I think had been converted to an outside linebacker and now back to All right. inside yeah, just, like just trying to find a spot yeah. for him and then with eddie going down be- they put him because inside. i think initially what they were doing when when uvushio went down was they put in mj defici who's um All i right. i just i'll be honest i wasn't wild about his play he's a little slow um and so, like, I I totally understood where they put in Bruner, and like, and he played a pretty good game against Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that they probably, I think that they probably know what the two of the starters are going to be. It'll you know be Sermon and Bruner. Uh-huh. Um, and the only question is going to be, you know, was that a one off? You know, because you know anybody can have one game. I'm, I'm not trying to like take the piss out of him or anything. I'm you know just like you know what I'm talking about. Like it could be, that was just a one game performance deal. Um, but I well, it's think the same thing
1: be- we talked about earlier, like, is that, is it like that narrative is something you have to believe? Like, was that, is, yeah. was this his, and we've had, you've seen this happen. I'm sure with Oregon as well. Like you have guys that you think are like, yeah, they're coming along. Let's see what happens to them. And they have an explosive game. And all yeah. of a sudden they're the starter and that's it. Is this that case? Or, you know, was it Stanford that, that yeah. made him look that good?
2: um or just a one you know Trevor Knight uh, you know against against Alabama you know like any right they have one,
1: like a- one world beater game yeah right yeah. um
2: the outside linebackers um my understanding is that Ryan Bowman is injured
1: I don't know. This depth chart's telling me he's starting. So, oh boy! Um, yeah. No, he's done. Yeah, it's it's really. It's, I don't know why. Like we, we uh, he he's done for the year, which okay. sucks. I mean, it's a very big loss. It for does. Senior. Yeah.
2: Well, it's interesting because all of Washington's you know defense has this you know it's if you pull up the 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 talent you know the two four seven ratings, it's just like right. we have either got walk-ons or we got five stars. You know, that's right. <laughs> you know, going back to Josiah Bronson too, and 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 there's, you know a couple other examples, and mm-hmm. it's just like yeah, no, like I, I sort of. I, I've been a critic for some time of what, you know, Washington's culture preferring, you know, seniority over the young talent. Um, But that was one where like, you know, uh, even I, the, the, the critic of that attitude was like, Oh no, definitely pay Ryan Bowman, you know, the senior walk-on mm-hmm. because he's real good. You know, I like him a lot. So, you know, I, that's a real tough loss. I, I yep. actually think that's a more significant defensive loss than, than any other that, that I'm um, watching his face this year. Do you think I'm off base?
1: Yeah, I don't, i you could make a case for him. I still think it's probably Eddie, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I either, both of them
2: hurt. Well the reason that it's sort of going back to the you know what we were talking about with um Onzerike and, and those other you know disruptive defensive linemen is that is that if they're not getting it up the middle the only mm-hmm. pass rush that they're getting is off the edge um and well to tell me if you disagree I I haven't thought much of number 41 uh, this year and I haven't thought much of number 17 this year um what do you what do you think about that
1: Yeah you know I mean look it's um S- S- Savell Small's number seventeen has taken a lot of criticism, and he was incredibly highly ranked. Yeah. Absolute physical specimen, could have gone anywhere he wanted to, um, and and I thought he actually played a lot better at, at Stanford, um, and and had his eyes on the ball. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of times where he has all the physical talent in the world, but there's books where he takes bad angles in the wrong spot, not reading things correctly. Um, and and I don't know, maybe he's too young and there's too much, like the expectations are too high of him, but I think that, um, you know, most of Husky Nation thought he'd be a little bit farther in his development at this point. Um, and you could, I mean, I guess coop didn't have the same, uh, like coop, uh, coop, uh, Cooper McDonald didn't have the same expectations coming in, Sure, but there's the same, I think there's the, the, some of the, same but issues. I mean, he's getting sure.
2: starts, you know, because of the injury situation has to. and because <laughs> Bruner moved yeah. over to the inside.
1: That's right. Yeah. He has to, I mean, you don't have another choice at this point. I mean, the, like there's a lot of hope with, with like with ZTF now that like, right. were they holding him back? You know, and easing him yeah, back in. Yeah,
2: what do you in, think? It- it, it, do you think Tupou is back to 100%? I mean, that was a brutal injury that he took, and I was frankly shocked to see him as back as early as as we saw him. In, in
1: yeah, I mean, your initial guidance for something like that is he's done, right? You think yeah. he'd be done, done for the year. Um, and, and yeah, I think they're they're nursing him back in for sure. Um, and there was some criticism of bringing him back in at all as early as they did. And the, mm-hmm. the thoughts of like, hey, this is, you know, again, do you have coaches who are play- like legitimately coaching for their jobs? and are, you know, or you hate to say this, but are they bringing kids back in too early? And, and there's some of that criticism, but the, the hope is that like, he's, I mean, a, like you don't see him pulling up on tackles. You don't see him exhibiting anything where like, he's having a hard time cutting left and right. Like he's seems to be there, Um, had a real stupid mistake against Stanford, that, yeah. you know, was well-documented, but like the hope of course is like he's back. And now with this like big game coming up with this, this week, is he, is he going to see all the snaps? Is he going to
2: be in the game? Well, I, you know, it's a legit question because, like, you know, with Bowman out and, I, you know, I don't think that Small – you know, say what you will about Savelle Smalls. I, you know, he's kind of a liability against the run. Um, you know, I, I sort of think they have to play Tupoula Fatui and McDonald um, as the two starters uh do you, do you disagree?
1: Yeah, I, well, I mean, it doesn't help. I don't like like Jeremiah Martin. Like he got cartonated and carted off. Right. And it helped off the field. at stands. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, and so like there's there's another one. Like I don't I don't know what other choice you have. I, I really don't. So I like I could see maybe they put Savellan for Coop, potentially. Um, well,
2: like on passing downs, like, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. how they were using him in 2020 was that, you know, when it was yep. obviously passing down, they'd pull, you know, yep, Bowman I'm or, or one of the bulk your old bees and have him rush the passer. Um, but like, if, mm-hmm. as you speculate, you know, it's going to be a rainy day and Oregon's going to be running the ball a lot. Like, uh, I, we might not see Seville Smalls at all.
1: Nope. Yeah, you, you, that, that could definitely be. I mean, unless it's like third and long or something yeah, like right. that, like, yep. Yeah, it could, definitely could be the case.
2: Let's talk about the DBs. Um, this is another one where I'm I am having a real hard time following it. Um, you know, I, obviously Trent McDuffie and uh, Kyler Gordon are the starting outside corners, and mm-hmm. you know I like those guys a lot. And in fact, you know, in my article on Friday morning, I'll give you a little sneak preview. I'm just going to say, don't throw the ball against them. Just don't. Just never do it. <laughs> right, right. It's not worth it like uh at (laughs) all um you know and and so instead i think that you will see if oregon throws the ball at all which again my advice is going to be don't do that you know become a triple option team just always right uh like be army um but if they throw the ball at all i think the wiser place to throw would be the middle of the field where you're attacking the ilbs and um and and the safeties and Mm -hmm. i am having a hard time following what the safety situation at washington is can you fill me in
1: yeah, it, it's a bit of a mess, um, you know, from an injury perspective. Like, we yeah. saw, you know, like Asa Turner, Alex Cook, Cam Williams all hurt. Like, and do they play again? Um, and even if Asa's at 100%, um, stopping the run is not his specialty. No. And so, like, even if he's 100%, like, how much do we, do we see of him uh, coverages? And, like, they might not need that. I mean, it like, is ultimately, like, we saw a lot of at the state department, we saw a lot of Dom Hampton and Bookie. Mm -hmm. um and and you could see that again i think dom had his best game that he's he's had um bookie had a nice he had a nice pick to end the game um dom is more like a linebacker we're trying to figure out how he looks as a safety and he hits hard um and and so like that worked last week do we try to see a little bit more more of them um it isn't what we brought the men to play and it's guys shifting around, but like assuming do they stay with like, Hey, let's just stick with what worked last week or do those injuries continue? And like Cam Williams isn't back. Alex cook, isn't back. We don't have Austin Turner available like that might be easy.
2: When you say book, you're referring to Bradley
1: Hiles. Right? Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Brendan Bradley Hiles. Yeah. 44. Yeah. Um,
2: uh, yeah, he's been, I mean, he's been fun to watch, uh, certainly is the nickel. Um, there's Uh, i I've got a clip going in my article about, uh, when he, uh, lights up Greg Dulcich from UCLA, uh, to break up that pass. Uh, it was pretty, <laughs> that was a pretty amazing hit. Uh, came, came close to a targeting foul, which would have been, you know, repeating history for that guy, but like, oh, yeah. damn, that guy can hit. Um, you know, I, I got no, you know, questions there, but like, yeah, no, just the other two positions, and, you know, because Washington likes to play that sky high safety position, who like I can't even see on the broadcasts on about half of the plays, oh, like I goodness. don't even know which human being it is, you know. All right, um, yeah, we've so-
1: bur- we've gotten bur- we got burned on that. La- I mean, l- last week with the center, yeah, um, you know, they like particularly when they would they like, go to that kind of soft man, they would pull the, like Eurosec. We made l- Eurosec look like an all star because there's this giant fifteen yard gap between like this sort yeah. of deep soft zone and well i mean yeah that's the back.
2: classic vulnerability in cover three is you know the deep hole like yeah you mm-hmm. know I, I expect that if oregon throws the ball at all it'll be there I, i'm not sure it'll be the tight ends not exactly the way that oregon mm-hmm. likes to throw it right, but like right. but somebody you know mm-hmm. like you know maybe like a, a you know a mesh sit you know the, the where you know the over route's going into yep. the hole like uh yeah I, I could see that happening a lot um so uh, if if I the if I forced you to guess who the five starting DBs would be, I suppose you're going to tell me it's going to be Gordon McDuffie, Radley Hiles, and then.
1: Oh my God, uh, I I don't know if they've seen enough from Michelle Powell.
2: Number you twenty-three, know, and, you're talking about,
1: yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, have they have they seen enough where he's he's getting starter level snaps, whether he's out there in the first snap or not? But I, I like, have they seen enough, and is that all that they have? Where it's you know it's bookie dom hampton kyler michelle powell and trent mcduffie like they see enough with him and like all indications are if they're so pleased with michelle powell like that
2: he's going to be the guy wow that's uh mm. i mean yeah i don't think that he was on the roster last year right
1: nope no yeah he's not i mean you're this is a, this is a walk-on but like look around of you know with cam fab cameron faba earlier mm-hmm. who's had some good had some good moments had some bad moments um is you know potentially injured um you've got like is cam williams out if not like expect to see him if cameron williams can play like expect that to be a guy
2: that'd be fun against oregon huh
1: yeah sure yeah yeah absolutely and i and and then also turner same thing of like Mm -hmm. injured and even if he's back against a run team we don't expect to see a lot of him and so like there's a lot of talk about is it it michelle powell is that is that your last guy but
2: do you think they do you think that Washington comes out of the nickel structure if Oregon just runs the ball a lot? I mean, they seemed like they don't really love doing that, but
1: yeah, they. But the, you know, they they've they've shown um, a little bit more flexibility to go to that structure this year than they have in years past, and some of that's like they're taking a lot of heat because we're so historically bad against the run, where we'll just sort of remove that nickel and put in a third down lineman, you know, and go to and go to that structure. But yeah, I think they will. Like, I I don't see them. I don't know. They've shown as the year has gone on, too, and I don't want to call it desperate, but like again, coaches coaching for their job, mm. uh, that they're a, at least not as stubborn as they were against Montana and others to move things around and try different looks. Um, but then you then you've got like who's healthy? Who's healthy to actually right. move into that spot? So.
2: Yeah, I mean, good question. I mean, I, I think they've got more functional defensive linemen at this point mm-hmm. than they have functional defensive backs, which is like a kind of crazy thing to say about Washington. Um, mm-hmm. but like, That's and, and, gi- and given. And, and given what we sort of think this game is going to look like where Oregon's running the ball a lot like it probably makes sense to go to a you know a three down front but then the question is you know they're probably not going to sacrifice the sky high safety because that's like the identity of this defense right? right and so it's like you know boy you want to talk about a hole in the middle of the field you know if you're playing one sky high safety and you've removed a, a safety to to you know get a third defensive lineman you get your blocks set up right and you could run for 16 you know yards you know uh and kind of the way that Oregon's been running I, I kind of see a few of those in the future um mm-hmm. it, it, it'll be interesting to see what choices they make about you know a 3-4 versus a 2-4-5 structure um I kind of don't think we're going to see that dime package very much. <laughs>
1: right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, th- yeah. I think I think I think that's fair. I think it'll be like sparing if, if at all. But, I, think uh,
2: I don't think they have six healthy I defensive six backs. Healthy backs. backs yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. Guys that are moving on, calling different things. But I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, do you feel like? So I mean, let me ask you. Like, do you feel like how big is this drop? And I know they're different backs, but like to go from a Verdell like down to a Travis Die like how obviously like well, maybe Travis Die is the greatest. You don't think so? No, it's it's
0: surprising because you would think like looking at die that uh, he would be, I I don't know, that he would go down a little easier than he has lately. But I mean, lately he's been really carving. I mean, granted, you know, the Pac-12 defense has been going against, but he's been he's been really picking it up lately. Yeah, And, And he's been kind of doing the same amount of carries it kind of seems like as he would i've have. said
2: from 2018 i think that travis die is the better back than cj verdell and just the problem mm-hmm. was you know verdell could take a hit and not go down immediately and die couldn't but then that has sort of changed um you know verdell reminds me a lot of sean mcgrew um in that sort of you know he he doesn't look like he would be as hard to bring down as he is you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and then on top of that, it's not like Dye's the only running back they've got. I mean, Byron Cardwell just put up 127 yards. Um, yeah. So I am not really, you know, on uh, that question is not really what I'm worried about. The thing that that baffles me about Oregon, I, I just went on a long rant on Adam's podcast, you know, yesterday about it is the uh is Oregon's offensive line is doing if I saw any other team do this. I would be shooting up a big red flag about like, oh, no, your offensive line is screwed. But Oregon is making it work where they're playing a different offensive line configuration, not just every game, but every drive. And they're playing tackles as guards and guards as tackles. It's just like it's like they replaced their center because he's having back spasms with a walk on. And the walk on is calling out blitz protections better. Like it's 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 completely baffling to me why it's working. Mm -hmm. And. There's a part of me that's like, oh, this is all a house of cards. You know, it's all going to come tumbling down. Um, you know, that's that's my worry. Uh, on the other hand, it, you know, it hasn't happened yet. So. <laughs> do
1: you think? Is, but is that is that uh, because of like the you know you're playing the first half of the Oregon season was definitely softer than excluding Ohio State, of course. But like the first half of the Pac-12 um, slate is is definitely weaker than the second half. Like, do they are they just trying things until they get things solidified? When they I
2: don't I at this point because they were doing it in 2020 as well this rotational like planned rotation stuff um i i, I again i want to be clear like it is not oh no he got hurt we need to shuffle the line although some of that is happening uh and it's not uh oh no, this guy's no good, even though I thought he was, so try somebody else in their like experimentation. It is like it is a plan. You can set your watch by it. Like I published articles about like what the rotation is. Um I I think that Alex Miraball, Oregon's offensive line coach, genuinely believes that he has a better way of um putting out offensive linemen than the traditional way of like get your five best dudes and play them every single snap. And like I've never seen it before. I think it's totally bonkers. Um but maybe he's a genius. I don't know. Like it's been working mm-hmm. so I mean Oregon's had a had above a 75% rush success rate for the last 3 games, which is like I cannot begin to tell you how insane that is. Um So I he, I mean maybe that we are watching, you know, the invention of the light bulb right now. Like I <laughs> it's it's crazy. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they've reinvented their things there before. So.
2: Yeah. All right.
0: So um instead of uh a score prediction to close this episode out bt we'd like uh you know i would imagine there's only so many there's less ways that washington will win this game than they'll lose this game i'll put it that way uh (laughs) if if the huskies were to pull off this huge upset which would, oh, oh man. I mean, maybe Lake, maybe he'd get a contract extension immediately afterwards. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, we can only hope, but no. <laughs> um, but if, if the Huskies were to win, what do you think that win would most likely look like?
1: Oh, geez. I mean, I think, I'm guessing you guys were, but most people were surprised where the line came in.
0: Oh yeah, actually I haven't even looked at. It. I'll look at it right now. Uh, or S- do you know?
1: Started at six and a half, and I think it floated to seven. I thought it would have floated a lot more, but mm. it, you know, only got pulled to seven. And I think you know that's a a wash with you know. Oh, take take my money. This is bet the mortgage on this thing. And you <laughs> know, I think uh, you know, look. Um, every time you think you've outsmarted Las Vegas, uh, you know, get ready to lose some cash, right? And yep. I think anytime you know they're right more than they're wrong, and so like mm-hmm. the odds that this game is within a score, I'll I'll bet on Vegas. You know that this is that some, they know something people don't this is within this is within a score even though you look at you know two teams who you know one is uh you know number four in the country you know mm-hmm. uh, going you know on, on its has its path set out to go to the cfp and and one is you know when do we fire this coach it's four and four we lost to montana we lost to oregon state for the first time in 10 years like it goes on and on and on so two call it two programs going in different directions if you want but somebody knows something we don't. I think like the scenario that Hithliday uh, laid out. I'm not going to say is wrong. Like, does does Demo have a uh, the greatest game ever in his pocket? Can he at least stop regressing with, with a stop the sophomore regression? Because mm-hmm. he played better last year. Like, not just results. Like, look at the tape. He played better last year. He didn't miss receivers the same way he did. And if he, he and if didn't he does, take a sack last year, I mean, he was, I it was mean, only
2: yes. four games, but I mean, that certainly hasn't held up.
1: That's right. Oh, a- absolutely right. And look at his pick numbers from last year to this year. So does he have this kind of world beater game? And I, I think you know, I think Jalen Polk was a tough loss, and Puka Nakua kills me watching him out of you yeah. Like that murders me. But
0: or like, Hainer, I mean, like,
1: well, like, you'll go down, go down the list of like, you know, there's yeah. Hayner, there's the, there's shoot. Look at the starting UCLA quarterback. I mean, go down the list of like mm-hmm. guys that we chose, that we went a different way. But like, they're, they're like our receivers are surprisingly not the weakness that I thought they would be. You know, whether it's Terrell or Roma Dunze, um, we haven't really Taj Davis will flash a little bit. We haven't seen enough out of Giles Jackson. Jalen McMillan, I think he's all the physical talent. So like there's guys there. If, if Demo can find a way to get the, get it to him and like John Don can scheme up something somehow and surprise us all that we yeah. haven't seen before. Um, then yeah, like that's another way. I think that's, that's like, that's a scenario in which you're, you're right. There is a, like an ugly it up sideways rain, 45 degrees. Your hands are cold and there's going to be a bunch of turnovers. And are you like, you know, do, do you get your Christmas list early and you're the beneficiary of those? Um, and, and can't like, can you cause those Turner turnovers? Um, and there's things that like worry me a little bit about our, I say, not, you're, you're asking me to, figure out the way he'll win but like there's things that worry about like the way cam davis runs so recklessly and doesn't you know and Mm -hmm. it is and is prone to giving up a ball where are we on the and how many interceptions we've thrown are we on the losing end of that
2: do you think he's over that like i understood why they pulled that guy early but i genuinely believe he's the best back that washington has and they should have just been playing him from the get-go and just forgiven (laughs) the fumbles
1: he has the most he has the most talent but like if you look at the stanford game and look at like the point of contact and where the ball is and how many hands are on it and there's mm-hmm. things where it's like kind of, you know, he's kind of running it even Like not only is it one hand, but it's not even against his body. Mm-hmm. And that's that stuff that like, listen to, you know, Keith Bonifa kills him. You know how much he, he harps on that of like fall down for the extra yard stop. And there's that thing where I hope he's gotten over it, but there's, he wants to make that play so bad. Um, but, you know, so there like, there is the like crappy weather, lot of turnover game um, where like ball possession or like, that's a scenario. And the only other one is like, if you look at last week, and you think, boy, I think the way that Colorado was able to advance the ball in Oregon's defense surprised a lot of people. Even though it was a like blowout score wise, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you look at that and go, "Hey, hey, did we see something there? Did we see something, or was yeah. it like a game that was out of hand and it was an aberration?" Well, I mean, um,
0: it was a it was a one score game. Um, you know, uh, going into the fourth quarter, that's I right. believe, against I mean, Arizona. I published
2: my article about that yesterday morning, and basically what I came to is, like, you have to hit explosive passing plays, which is, you know, why I let off that's my question yeah. about, yeah. you know, the two drives in which they score prior to garbage time, both of them, are the, they're the only drives in which they hit some explosive passing plays. And it's why I said, Dylan Morris has got to play that game, is my prediction.
1: Yeah. So like, could it be that? And, you know, if you take, if you believe that, you know, the, the, what's the, like the cheap, the cheap analysis is you go, oh, we beat Stanford and they didn't like, okay, it's very tired. (laughs) It's very tired analysis, but like (laughs) at, at the same time, have you, did you, do you feel like the team that won at down on the farm for the first time in 14 years? came together in some way and the things that like you and I can't see watching film as locker room and culture. And did they come together in some way in which they want to play for coach Lake um, and that we can replicate some of the things that we did against Stanford and at least at, like t- particularly towards the end of the game and, and, and do those against Oregon. I don't know, but like the lines where it is, um like the, the line is where it is because of like, I think that's the right line that it's probably a one score game. Oregon should definitely be, the favorite they've proven it and the huskies are going to have to do some really unnatural things in order to pull off what it would be you know an upset for uh, for the history books
2: i think it's probably a low scoring game and a low scoring game probably is more the kind of game that washington wants to play uh-huh. you know um uh, you know, d- due to the, circ- well, it- it's a low scoring game due to the circumstances of the game. And that it's, you know, that is more what Washington wants to play because of the nature of Washington's offense and the nature of Washington's defense. Um, And, and so like, I'm, you know, I-, I think Oregon wins this game by two scores, Um, but I would be, you know, eyeing that under uh, a lot.
1: Oh, the unders paid eight games in a row. Like yeah. how high do we need to put it? Right, right. I mean, at at some point, they're just going to put it to some astronomical number, not really a low number, and you've you've got, you know, dare you into betting it? But yeah, yeah, it's paid, it's it's paid eight times.
0: Well, yeah, against spread have been pretty bad, too. Um, can the Huskies use their academic prowess to pull this one off? We will find out this Saturday. Uh, <laughs> BT of the Dog Pod once again. Um, it's a really great podcast. I mean, obviously, I'm preaching to probably a whole lot of Duck fans here, um, but I, I'm telling you still, it is a great listen. And, and, hey, I mean, like, the Huskies are bad right now. Isn't this the podcast you would want to listen to more than ever, I guess <laughs> right. dedicated to how bad the Huskies are playing.
1: This is, this is, yeah, this is what it's supposed to be. This is what it's supposed to be fun, I guess. But yeah, look, I mean, I'll just say to Husky nation and to duck nation out there is, um, you know I I love the rivalry we want each other to lose you know we want you guys to go 0 and 12 every year and vice versa we want it we love that but like both sides man just keep it classy like whether you're in the Autzen parking lot or the Husky parking lot um you know keep keep it classy and behave in which in a way which you can be proud of yourself whether it's online or in person um I'm fortunate to have made some really good duck friends over the years um and and like vice versa I'd say look if you know whether it's politics or whether it's sports man if you you can agree to disagree support your own team and have a beer after it we're all better for it there you
0: go. Well, wise words from a, a new husky friend here of <laughs> bt of the dog pod it was wonderful talking to you um hit day thanks for joining as well my pleasure is uh nice talking to you all right go dogs see ya